Hello and welcome to the Zero to Finals podcast. My name is Tom and in this episode I'm going to be talking to you about the induction of labour. And you can find written notes on this topic at zerotofinals.com slash induction or in the labour and delivery section of the Zero to Finals Obstetrics and Gynaecology book. So let's get straight into it. Induction of labour refers to the use of medications to stimulate the onset of labour. Let's talk about the indications. Induction of labour can be used where patients go over their due date. Induction of labour is offered between 41 and 42 weeks gestation. It can also be offered where it's beneficial to start labour early, such as in pre-labour rupture of membranes, fetal growth restriction, preeclampsia, obstetric cholestasis, existing diabetes and intrauterine fetal death. Let's talk about the Bishop score. The Bishop score is a scoring system used to determine whether to proceed with induction of labour. To calculate the Bishop score, five things are assessed and given a score based on different criteria with a minimum score of zero and a maximum Bishop score of 13. The five things that are assessed are the fetal station, scored 0 to 3, cervical position, scored 0 to 2, cervical dilatation, scored 0 to 3, cervical effacement, which is how thin the cervix is, which is scored 0 to 3, and cervical consistency, which is scored 0 to 2. A score of 8 or more predicts a successful induction of labour. A score below this suggests that cervical ripening may be required to prepare the cervix for induction and we'll talk in more detail about cervical ripening shortly. Let's talk about the options for induction of labour. A membrane sweep involves inserting a finger into the cervix to stimulate the cervix and begin the process of labour. It can be performed in the antenatal clinic and if it's successful, it should produce the onset of labour within 48 hours. A membrane sweep is not considered a full method for inducing labour, and it's more of an assistance which can be tried before the full induction of labour. It's used from 40 weeks gestation to attempt to initiate labour in women who go over their estimated date of delivery. The use of vaginal prostaglandin E2, or dinoprostone, involves inserting a gel, a tablet, for example prostin, or a pessary, for example propes, into the vagina. The pessary is similar to a tampon and it slowly releases local prostaglandins over 24 hours. Vaginal prostaglandin E2 stimulates the cervix and the uterus to cause the onset of labour. This is usually done in the hospital setting so that women can be monitored before allowing them to go home and wait for the full onset of labour. A cervical ripening balloon is a silicon balloon that's inserted into the cervix and gently inflated to dilate the cervix. This balloon is used as an alternative where vaginal prostaglandins are not preferred, which is usually in women with a previous caesarean section where vaginal prostaglandins have failed or in multi women 
who have had more than three previous pregnancies. Artificial rupture of membranes with an oxytocin infusion can also be used to induce labour, although this would only be used where there are reasons not to use vaginal prostaglandins. It can also be used to progress the induction of labour after vaginal prostaglandins have already initiated the process. Oral mifepristone and antiprogesterone plus mesoprostol are used to induce labour where intrauterine fetal death has occurred. Next let's touch on monitoring. There are two means for monitoring during the induction of labour. Cardiotocography or a CTG is used to assess the fetal heart rate and the uterine contractions before and during the induction of labour. And the Bishop score, which we've already talked about, is used before and during the induction of labour to monitor the progress. Next let's talk about ongoing management after the induction of labour. Most women will give birth within 24 hours of the start of induction of labour. The options when there is slow or no progress are further vaginal prostaglandins, artificial rupture of membranes and an oxytocin infusion, using a cervical ripening balloon, or if everything else fails, an elective caesarean section. Finally, let's talk about uterine hyperstimulation. Uterine hyperstimulation is the main complication of induction of labour with vaginal prostaglandins. This is where the contraction of the uterus is prolonged and frequent, causing fetal distress and fetal compromise. The criteria for uterine hyperstimulation vary slightly between guidelines and it's always important to check the local guidelines and of course involve experienced seniors if you're unsure. The two criteria often given are individual uterine contractions lasting more than two minutes in duration or more than five uterine contractions every ten minutes. Uterine hyperstimulation can lead to fetal compromise with hypoxia or low oxygen and acidosis in the fetus, emergency caesarean section or uterine rupture. Management of uterine hyperstimulation involves removing the vaginal prostaglandins or stopping or slowing the oxytocin infusion and if required, tocolysis with terbutaline. So thanks for listening to this episode on the induction of labour. As always, a big thank you to Harry Watchman for perfectly editing the podcast. If you like the podcast episodes, consider supporting Zero to Finals on Patreon and you'll get early access to the podcast episodes as soon as they're ready. You also get access to other benefits like cool software for displaying a digital version of the Zero to Finals flashcards. And I hope you join us for the next episode where we'll talk about cardiotocography or CTG.